Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. And hello to anyone who might be joining uh, asynchronously on the Temple Beth Am podcast. The closed store in the office. Uh, to remind you all, um, we are in the middle of a very strange Rashi. Uh, and we're not here to do uh, to get a master's degree on Rashiology, but we've studied enough of his usually terse, brief, um, um, not talky uh, commentaries to know that we're in the middle of something odd. Um, so I'm just distracted with people coming into the Zoom, and I want to make sure that we can get in. Hey, Alan. Hello. Alan, what year was that? Thing film that's not going on on Facebook for the library minion page calling thing. Is that for the 36th anniversary? No, it's this is now the 50th anniversary. I know, but there's a video of you calling pages from the 36th. Calling um, pages. I didn't remember um, seeing that. I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you afterwards. Okay. okay. So we're it's chapter six of the book of Exodus. Um, which the commentary is on verse nine. We're in the middle of it to remind you Rashi is going back, right? So he's now basically re-litigating the first three verses of the Parsha. And because this is a very kind of Talmudic argument, it's important to know the foundation of what we're talking about. So I want to go back one more time to the first three verses of Vaira, because without really getting those verses again, uh, Rashi will make less sense. Okay, so go back to the beginning of the era, chapter six, verse two. I'll do this quickly just to kind of regenerate shot. By the bear Elohim of Moshe, Elohim spoke to Moshe by Yomar Elav and said to him, Ani Adonai, I am Yodei Vata. Va'era El Abraham El Yitzchak El Yaakov El Shaddai. When we read this the first time, we read this plainly, a plain tone of voice that we read. I revealed myself to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, El Shaddai, through the name El Shaddai. And, but the actual name of Yehovah, I did not make note of them. Rashi's commentary on those verses were basically saying that I now, God, am revealing myself to you at a level that even the ancestor didn't get. Um, so there's more intimacy here. But even though I didn't reveal myself to them as Yehovah, I certainly agreed to fulfill my covenant, my promise to them, to give to them. And Eretz Mugurehem, sorry, Eretz Canaan, the land of Canaan, and Eretz Mugurehem, the land of their sojourning, Asher Garubah, that they sojourned there. Okay. Again, in situ, Rashi focused on the fact that this moment is a heightened theological um, revelatory moment, and that even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not get what Moshe and the Jewish people are about to get. Now, Rashi is re rereading these verses after he's finished the scene, and, and my guess is just again, He's putting it here because very soon after this, we get into a genealogy and we, we're done with the whole narrative of this moment. And I, I'm going to kind of read, reread those verses with the tone of voice that I think Rashi is now reading these verses in, which might make the words that we're about to read make sense. Elohim said to Moshe, um, and uh, spoke to Moshe and said to him, I am God. And you know, Moshe, I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and only as El Shaddai. I didn't even give them Yud-Heh-Bav-Heh like I'm giving to you. 
וגם הקינותי ביתי איתם, and eventually I fulfill my promises to them. And to, the, to bring them to the land of Canaan, where they were only sojourners, and I'm adding in, rather than long-term residents. It's that tone that Rashi is now, I think, rereading into those verses in the commentary they're in right now. Now, turn ahead to verse 9. Um, and I think we got to the place where uh, Rashi imagines God basically saying, Oh, I miss Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Right, he invokes this rabbinic dictum, Chaval al da'avdin v'la mishtachin. Woe for those who are lost and can no longer be found, meaning I miss simple human representatives who don't complain to me, like your rabbi Isaac and Jacob, as opposed to you, Moshe, who are bringing to me complaint after complaint, right? I think it's where we are, right? Yesh lehit onen amitat havot. Here I, I have... Um, I need to complain. I need to continue to mourn on the death of the ancestors. Um, I think this is the last thing we read out loud. Many times I revealed myself to them only in El Shaddai, only a, like a, a partially eclipsed. They didn't say to me, hey, what's your name? Hey, I want to know more about you. Hey, give me more. But you, morning bill. Amarta, you said, Mashimo. Ma'omar Elohim. You said to me, when they, the Israelites, asked me what his name, what is God's name, um, what should I say to them? Meaning you were hawking my China rather than simply accepting things, both of them, as they, um, you know, as simply as possible. Everyone agree that's, that's the last thing we got to? We got to Abraham. We got to Abraham? Okay, thank you. So let me just keep reading to, to build up. Um, the, the Rashi is in the middle of quoting or paraphrasing a Midrash. And in that rabbinic midrash, it continues with the phrase "begam hakimoti," as if that sentence is also a reproof to Moses. That when God says, "I fulfilled my covenant with them to give to them the land of Canaan where they were sojourners," that it continues to be the reproof. In what way? Abraham When Abraham requested bury Sarah timely, this week's parsha, um, karka, he didn't just find land. There was no hocus pocus. pocus. Oh, God revealed, revealed God's self to me. Then, then I need land. It'll just be presented to me like a genie. It wasn't that simple. Some versions of Rashi have the word kever. Mm-hmm. Until Abraham paid full price for property. Meaning Abraham did not expect that simply because God had said, I'm with you, that everything is going to come to him. Right, that all that all of his needs, financial otherwise, would be fulfilled. Book of Club Sue. Okay. Hard time finding us. And, and a hard time from parking. Not everyone checks their email at six fifty-eight this morning. Got a space? There's, there's you. So now we're up to Isaac. Okay. Uh, I have no idea who was reading last week, but um, you don't have to. Um, Matt, do you want to pick up? Oh, okay. The same. The Yitzchak. Okay, so do it one at a time. I'm gonna put this, I'm gonna put some uh some verses up on the screen. I don't know if you can see it from here, but it's better than that. Okay. Let our air means to raise a complaint or to quarrel. Okay, yeah. So they quarreled with him about the the wells that he dug. 
Okay, so start with, uh, stop with that, right? So if you look back um, in Breshi chapter 26, it's on the screen if you can get yourself to see it. Um, by, this is after Abram's death. By Abdei, starting in verse 20, by Abdei, it's not Benachal, that uh, Yitzchak's servants uh, were digging in a wadi. They found a well of living water, but it was not so simple. Bayarivu, there was a fight. Roe Grar of the, the shepherds of the place Grar, where he was near. Im Roe Yitzchak, they started to fight Yitzchak shepherds, Lemur saying, Lanu Hamayim, hey, you may have found the water, but it belongs to us. It was so nasty that they called that um, that well like um, nastiness, or uh, I forgot exactly the best way to say that. He he asked because they were um, they were nasty with it, right? So, in what way does the Rashi quoting the Midrash quoting this verse prove? I use the word prove in quotation marks that Isaac was easier than than Moses as a as a servant of God. Very Moses expected to be a slam dunk. Right, Isaac had to work for it. He 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 dug. He found water. He's thinking, <laughs> I found water. Uh, God has revealed God's self to me. I'm 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 good. I mean I'm fine. But there was a problem. There was such such a problem. They had to actually move on to another well. And at least in this scene, Isaac doesn't say, Hey, hey, wh wh where's my water that you promised? Okay, keep going. The chain. The chain Yaakov. But he came at the context of there, and he bought the piece of land. Limto to hello to pitch his tent. Hello in Haru Achar. Middle time and uh, uh, to, to Lahar, yeah, Lahar in, in in later Hebrew means to to think, right? To have a thought, like there's this idea that um, um, in, in the Shabbat Zemer, um, um, there's a phrase, you're allowed to think about things you can't do on Shabbat. That's permissible. You just can't do them, right? Lehar mm -hmm. um, is sometimes used in rabbinic Hebrew to be a um, uh, an alliterative synonym, even though it's a different root to lehar to complain. So hey reish, hey reish is different than ayin reish, ayin reish. But he just used ir aru, and now he's using hir haru. Right? So he's being um, kind of lyrical in his own use of language. And look at the verse that he refers to. Look up on the screen. This is. Um, chapter 33 of Reishi. I'll start with verse 18. By Yavo Yaakov Shalem. Yaakov uh, arrived to Shem Shalem, full, complete. He had a lot of stuff. Asheri Eretz Kanan, Leid of Kanan. Bavovi Padan Aram. When he came back from Padan Aram, right? This is after the chapters where he is with Lavan and has his children. By Yichan at Nehair. He made a Machanehi camp right next to the city. By Yichan at Shalkat Atzadeh. Asher Natasham Olo. And the place where he pitched his tent, guess what? He had to pay for it. He bought it. He said, I want to live here. Here's some shekels. Um, sita. We don't know how much he paid. Just like Abraham paid Overla Socher, the going rate for uh Maranamachela. Booker Toe Marshall. Oh, good Lord. Uh, so Yaakov had to on his return to the land of Israel, on his return to the place that God had said to him. This is where you're going to have a future. He still had to take out his credit card and pay for it. And with all of that, 
Lo kirharu akar midotai, meaning what? Uh, I, I think it means they didn't grumble about my abilities or something. Uh, my midot, my um, my attributes. They didn't say, hey God, how come you're being so parsimonious with your blessings? Hey God, how come you're not being beneficent? Okay, so Moshe, you've got a lot to learn. Moshe, your predecessors are accepted both knowing my name and knowing that some things were not going to be delivered far in the future. You, Moshe, are not. And again, this is Rashi's second turn on these verses. The first turn of these verses, Moshe did not raise this line of thinking at all, but now he's bringing this Midrash. And as I said last week, we don't even know yet, we haven't gotten to Rashi, if Rashi thinks this is a good Midrash or not. He's just bringing the power of Barry, and then two. There's no microphone, so I'm just going to speak. Yeah, I, um, I think everyone in the room is just speak. I forgot. I think the microphone that we're speaking into is somewhere over there. So just project uh, as best you can. Like, right. Rick, Barbara, are you are you hearing most of this? Good. Here, okay. Yeah, sure. So far. Okay, good. Barbara's a boss. You have to take equals equals and equals. You have to do a parallel analysis. Uh, in in in, uh, in Abraham and Yitzhak. The, the, there was a promise. They had to go do something, and uh, and, and they, they 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 did it, and it it, it happened. Uh, with with Moshe, there was a promise. Uh, Moshe did what he was told to do, and if people complained, and it fell through. And, and so Moshe's coming back. It fell through. So I need more. Mm. So it, 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 they're not equal stories. Got it. Sue. Now, what was the um what's the verb of the Soviet for for the murmuring fila word? It's not my It's something that sounds kind of like that. It's like for what what context? Murmur? Like like uh you know, back during the cave of people, somebody went out to the field and kind of no, no, no. It sounds like Mahar Her. It's, it's in the Torah? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, we just got to that link in fact. Like years ago? <laughs> Probably. Um, um, but not Mahar Her. Me. That's to mumble, but that's not a biblical word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought it was Malayal, but we haven't had that before in any other context. I don't know 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 I don't it's the people that are paying, and they're not paying with with financial capital. They're paying with their blood and their sweat. So it, it seems odd to bring this. I need to understand, say more if you understand. I need you to say more if you understand what seems odd to you. You're saying that that this is not a good critique of Moshe because, after all, they're being asked to give more than the ancestors gave. Yeah, it seems like it's not so much a parallel case. I, I mean, I understand the parallel case, which is that um, you don't have everything handed to you on a silver platter. Right. Right? But um, in this case, what's not being handed to Moshe on a silver platter is the agreement with the people. Mm -hmm. Right? But they're being asked to pay a huge price. Yeah. I think you're right. And very is making a similar point that they're not exactly parallel. 
listen, if this were such a great case to made, Rashi would have said it the first time the verse came on. I, I even after studying this many times, I'm still not 100% sure why Rashi raised this. And spoiler alert, everything we read in the last half of last class and the first half of this class is a straw man. He's about, Rashi doesn't even think this is a good argument, okay. but he's bringing up the straw man's about to knock it down. Elon uh, and Larry? So to kind of elaborate on that point, but it, it puzzles me if I said to my kids, I promise you a new car. And by the way, the way to get it is take $70,000 and go down to the BMW deal. <laughs> okay. I feel, I feel like me fulfilling a promise is just kind of, I mean, it seems like an odd thing for God to be pointing out because even I think the point here is, Okay, big deal. How many other prices leave the MW? But but the, the other point is I'm not so sure that it is necessarily yeah. negative because in spite of the fact no, really. that the perception is that Moses is a huge nudge, God elevates Moses to the most important prophet. So at some level, yeah. there must be some respect for by God for the fact that actually Moses pushes back in this way. Yeah. And remember that, that there are thrusts in Midrashic material that are very easily counteracted or counter counter-argued by uh, other other ideas in the text of the Torah itself and the Midrash. And and, and 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 again, Rashi is going to somewhat agree with all those around the table today who don't think this is a great Midrash, because he's about to say this is why this Midrash critiquing Moshe in this scene doesn't really fly. So he's off. He's sensitive to it too. But I don't. I don't know then why he brings it. He rarely does this. Uh, Larry, I just had a very strange moment because on my screen here, I'm seeing myself as I am, but up there, I'm seeing it reversed. And if you look at them, like with a mic, the part of my head, it's very disconcerting to see oneself in mirrors simultaneously. Go ahead. That's That's not I could change that. No, but then I'll be both not what I actually look like. Just want to clarify that I'm sure this is true. Two, two, two things. One is we're going back to verse 22 in the previous chapter where Moses complains. That's the that's the origin of this entire response. Correct. Right? Well, you know, and, and so the first nine verses of chapter, I guess it's from two to two to nine of chapter six, are God's responding to Moses. Right? That's what we're doing. Right. And so this midrash is saying that God responds to Moses. Is, is an annoyed response to Moshe's complaining. And the the I didn't realize this was a midrash. This is a midrash, and I don't know what the reference to, to the midrash is. Let's look it up to uh, where the midrash is. It starts with it, it, you got it, you got it there? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll say that the midrash is as it's presented in in the second Sanhedrin, the there is a, it sort of opens a little bit with a critique of Moshe, but it doesn't really end that way. It really ends more of a like, now you're in the grown-ups club, which means that for the rest of your life, there's going to be service you have to deal with. And even that Midrash, which appears in Sanhedrin and may appear elsewhere, because most Midrash didn't even have yeah. the full presentations, the way Rashi brings it is not... Usually, when Rashi rings a midrash, doesn't even tell you he's bringing midrash. He just starts telling you. Sometimes he says, you know, the um, midrasho. Here he says, I learned from some guy this 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 idea. Right? Remember the first thing that Rashi says in this in this area is karovli nyanze shamati be parshazo mi rabbi barak rabbi eliezer. 
I was talking to some guy and he said, you know, there's another way of reading these verses. And he exposed me to this midrash, right? So Rashi is like involving us in the process, probably a process that took place on every verse of the Torah, right? He, he, he's, he's clearly in dialogue with earlier texts and other people. We're just getting like the unedited, you know, uh, transcript. So wait a minute. So he has a random on the corner street conversation with somebody, a stranger, and we're spending two, three weeks on this random discussion. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, it's like like Ish, like the man that Yosef found. Um, we don't know if he's random. I don't know the name uh, Rabbi Baruch or Rabbi Eliezer from any other context, but maybe he was Rashi's teacher. I don't know. Maybe maybe he didn't. Maybe his book wasn't as popular, but he knew more than Rashi did. But Larry, you're halfway through your comment. Right, so third of the way, I don't know how long you're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few center quarters of God's expectations for Moshe are very different than his expectations for Abraham. Mm -hmm. And don't want to say too much about my children or your children. But you often have different expectations for your children or your students or your teacher had for you, where the teacher may give the impression, I really expected more of you. Yeah. And that's not a criticism, that's a compliment. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, um, the, something, of, the something of low expectations. That's a phrase that, that, that it's used sometimes geopolitically when we, when we, the insult of low expectations that you think that when you're expecting something less of someone or a collective group that it's a gift to them but it can actually be an insult to say that you don't believe that they're capable of more um so yeah and and because we're we're studying rashi's bringing of the midrash not the midrash we don't know we don't yet know what rashi wants to do with having brought this up but we're gonna we're about to get there so um matt if you want to um Pick up with Ata Amarta. Ata Amarta, Lama Are Potam. And you said, why did I do one Lama today? Okay. And you, Moshe, said when the very verse that Larry just pointed us to at the end of the Parshat Shmot, you, instead of saying, oh, thank you, God, and I'm sure all will work out, you said, why are you making this harder for us? Right? Why are you treating nation poorly. Now, in that moment, when we read that verse, we thought of Moshe as properly shepherding and protecting the people he was asked to protect. He's saying back to God, you sent me to make their lives better, you made it worse, and, and, and I need your help to carry out my mission. This Midrash is reading Moshe as whiny there, and non, very non-Abrahamic or Isaacish or Yakubian. Okay, now we finally get to um, uh, Rashi's own response to this Midrashic thrust. But I see Bill, is your hand up? No, oh, Barry, hand. I do. So, I'm kind of calling you. God told Moshe at the beginning, He's going to bring all these things on. Why didn't also caution Moshe? That, that Moshe is going to be tested on yeah. every, every way along. He's going to be tested too. Yeah. Why not tell him that? Yeah. Um, let's see what, what, what Rashi is, is doing with this whole thing anyway. Go ahead, uh, um, Matt. 
God revealed God's self to Abraham and the initial covenant, God said, Ani Adonai, I am Yod Hebabe, Shirat Seitim or Kastim. It's not that he obscured, God obscured his name from them, but they just didn't know them that intimately. Put that aside. We, we, we can linger there, but I, will, I actually want to move through this. Basically, this is point two for why Rashi says, I, I am not comfortable reading um, God chastising Moshe in this way. And he adds another reason why this Midrash makes no sense in context. Ve'od. Ve'od. Hecha. Heach. I'm sorry. Heach. Hasmicha. Shechet. Bizvarim. Shehu. Sumech. How How could it be? Like, it's like, yeah. And, and, and also, how could it be that the connection continues in the words that he connects here? Yeah. So the question is, what did Rashi mean by that? Look at... Um, hold on, there's one spot. Uh, where's the domination? They're kind of deep in the rabbit hole. I know, I know, I know. We're going to get out of it. Uh, Are you sure? <laughs> uh, I'm curious as to why this footnote seems he's funny in the middle of the rush. Look at look back at verse five of of the era. All of this is Rashi saying there's been Rashi rust on how to reread verses two, three, four, and to read verses two, three, four as God's response to Moses as being a chastisement. The next verse after this trio is verse five. I have um, uh, heard the cries of the children of Israel that they are um, uh, enslaved, and, I, and I'm remembering I covenant. For those of you who are really nerdy on grammar, what kind of vav is the vav before the word gam and the beginning of verse five? What would you call that vav? Vav achibor. Meaning it's a vav that connects the previous to, to the uh, what's coming up. It's actually the simplest way to understand the word and. It's not vav ha'ipuch. It's not a vav which switches around the tense of the verb. It's not vav ha, I'm forgetting the name for it. The absolute keyboard. There's a use of vav where the vav means but, right? Um, this is very obviously vav ha'ibor. If it's vav ha'ibor, then the things on two sides of the vav should be connected, should be the same tone of voice. If what's coming after this vav is God saying, I'm listening and I'm coming down, I'm doing exactly the thing I said to do, then it's got to be the same tone as the, what comes before the vav. And therefore, what comes before the vav can't be a chastisement. It has to be God saying to Moshe, okay, yeah, I, I didn't reveal myself to you then the way I did to you, and now I'm all in. So you can't read it as being chastisement and then a vav chibor and then a promise. So that's what Rashi means when he says, how, how could we understand the juxtaposition of the two things that are are, an op, are are adjacent to one another with the phrase, the the phrase that comes next, I have heard that are the world of Israel, therefore it goes to the people of Israel that I'm coming to get them, right? So therefore, um, you, I can't read the previous verses the way the Midrash did as a chastisement, has to be one expression of God's benevolence. God's not angry here. God's familiar with promise. Finish up. Lechach. Okay, I'm sorry. Did you remind me which, which verse one? The, oh, this so is the end of the Rashi on verse 9. Verse 9. <clears throat> Chapter 6. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The book of the Exodus in the collection called the Torah. <laughs>
Oh, I just went back to season to go back. I went back. We're on That's the problem. It's Luke chapter nine. Actually, it's okay. 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 Okay, so so translate that, right? Okay, uh, therefore, I say we um, we should use the simple reading. Uh, let sit the reading on its simple simplicity. Yeah. So the first thing you said establish, is, establish the reading on its simplicity. Having gone through his midrash, I say the first way I read the verses, dear reader, when you were actually reading my commentary on those verses. I stand by them, right? I, I disregard the midrash. I just share with you for the most part. The verse makes sense and it's simple, um, simple meaning. And then he has this interesting phrase, davar. I have It should be davar davor. Okay, davor davor al opanav. Okay, look at the screen. He is um, quoting Mishlei. Oh. Mishlei chapter twenty-five. Verse 11, just like golden apples that are presented, you know, in, in some kind of a show, davar, davor, al ofnav, a thing that is said according to itself. This is Mishlei basically saying, when you speak simply, it's as gleaming as a golden Golden apple, right? Something that I should pay more attention to, right? Like, don't use, don't use a ten dollar word when you use a five cent word, right? So Mishlei is basically saying sometimes the simplest thing, the simplest way that something can be expressed is the most beautiful. It doesn't have to be elaborate. So Rashi quotes Mishlei and says, "This verse is fine as it is. Don't go try reading into it um, a, a, an elevated chastisement from God to Moshe." Okay. Hebrew context, which yeah. is opanav, right? And it means context here, but opanav means bicycle. Yeah. So what's the, is there, is it just coincidence? It's, like, yeah. it's a good question. Or is there, I, I don't, can't understand the connection. Alapainun means both like style or way or context and wheel. Sometimes there are three-letter roots of the wheel that are the same three letters and are literally different words, different etymologies, and sometimes that be connected in ways that are not obvious. Um, I could pull up um, BDB quickly to see. Uh, uh, Leonard may also have an answer to that. What comes around goes around. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's BBB on Ofan. The first entrance is means wheel, right? Like Ofanayim. And the second entrance means circumstance or condition. He offers here perhaps turning. I'll, yeah, he, he actually brings our, our, our verse from. Uh, from Proverbs, like a jack, 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 jackpot, except for BDB. That's exactly what you're saying. All, all of in right circumstances, I guess, like as I'm if talking about that. you're right, yeah, as, as if the thing that makes sense is turning naturally. So maybe there's an emotional connection. I never thought of it that. 
And what is what are uh, what's afuna in modern Hebrew on your table? Peas. 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 Maybe because they're round. I don't know. Because <laughs> they're simple. They're simple. Okay. Um, you're almost done, Matt. What does that mean? Uh, the explanation to be explained. Right. Like he said, the, the shot makes sense. And he's basically saying, you want to drash it, drash it. <laughs> and and the, the more complicated, elaborate, less, less simple meaning, yes, you could do that too. It's not the way I want to go here. Yeah. What, what I find so interesting about this Rashi is that I really do wonder if we are in one spot, actually, if this spot is actually a microcosm for all of Rashi's process. Mm -hmm. We're just not being made aware of. Because yeah. on every verse, he's mm. actually making a decision. Yeah. Am I reading this the simplest way or am I bringing this crazy Midrash from Rashi Rabbah mm -hmm. and pretending that that's the right way to read it? He's, so he's allowing us to see. Maybe, yeah. And, I, and, and um, I'm not... I'm not aware of of a circumstance like exactly like this in, uh, in Rashi's commentary. Mm -hmm. Maybe it appears particularly in Nach, but this is uh, it's like a wonderful window or or or, or something that I don't understand. Diane, the, also this parallelism in the language, which is rather I don't know, flowery, maybe in Hebrew, Dibur, Gabor, Padrasha, the Tishavesh, parallelism. It's clever. It's yeah, yeah. The, the words can be worded, but the explanation can be explained, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. hard to put it into as lyrical in English as it is in Hebrew, right? The shot can be shotted and the drash can be drashed. Uh, your hand up, Larry? Yeah. Um, I assume we're going to read the, the very last sentence. I was going to skip it. <laughs> we're going to get to that in a second. I have a technical question, which is, I asked you, why is there a reference and a footnote here I don't remember ever seeing that before. I've been mostly reading out of this volume, so let me check that. Uh, what page? Then, um, uh, I am. Got it, got it, got it. And it's seven. Okay. Seven comes after what would be And it just says, okay. I am Chispuni. Yeah. Well, that occasionally happens. Does it? Okay. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, and I look up the Chispuni on this verse, it doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Um, Which is there on the page. It might it might be he might be referencing his kuni on the verse that he's being that is being brought up again in this commentary. Remember this commentary of Rashi is bringing us back to earlier verses, so he might be referencing that kuni. I don't know. I didn't I didn't follow up that kuni, but it's not uncommon for the editor to basically say you know like without explaining why you know as you read this comment you know look at the Ramban and, and there's more stuff there. Without explaining what he's put point, pointing us to, but it's the editors is putting that in there. Yeah, yeah, that's the editor. So, so that's, just, that's Chevelle twenty, you know, in the late twentieth century doing it. So my comment is, and I think it's going to be supported by the last when we get to the last sentence here. Um, that basically, Rashi is saying, "Look, I'm looking at the, what the text says, but go ahead and drash the scene because the, because this text is all about how you read it, yeah, and not about what's what it really is." You know, for years, um, Ziegler has been inviting me, asking me, it's very lovely to teach this material at, at Ziegler, right? to, to be the, you know, one of the people who teaches Rashi and Mikro to, to rabbinical students. And the truth is, if I'm ever going to teach a class 
as you believe it would be this because it's the stuff they love the most, particularly and also then applying it to to, to Sir Monica, where we're supposed to pull out of it. Um, I've never said yes because my life is busy enough as it is. I'd rather, you know, not rather, I'm teaching you and I I, I, I can't add in that. But if I'm ever going to, I might start the class with this Rashi because mm -hmm. it's complicated and it's hard and you break your teeth over it. But at the end, maybe we're getting into a window into why, what Rashi thinks about the work that he's doing mm -hmm. and what he thinks about the work anyone who's studying should be doing. Right? <laughs> that Davar Davor Alafna, Let's get shot. You want to go and write, you know, you know, give your own interpretation on write a ceramic, have at it. But let's get shot first. So this phrase reminds me of I'm So let let those understand understand. Right. And about that phrase, I would say, I'm a vinya <laughs> but um, simple time. Um, so what this means here, I guess, is let the explanation speak for itself. Maybe. Yeah, or 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 let the drashers drash. Haters gonna hate and drashers gonna drash. <laughs> and including Rashi, Rashi does this all the time. And we and sometimes our reaction to Rashi is, why are you reading so much into this? Right? Drashers gonna drash. Sue, so, and then uh, oh, is. Because then it says we talked about all of Nav and all the nine and the whole thing and other things. So I'm looking at the Vata Bhuram and I'm trying to figure out what how it relates to the Bhuram. And then the same like a, like a bee? Yeah, like where's word buzzing around? Yeah, like where you know, animal. Or how does it relate to death and the pestilence? Connect to each other. Uh Marshall? My burial come up with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering about the phrase eat your shape and be correct opposite. Which are translated as simple, but I always understood the word kashat here meaning the literal text mm -hmm. or the contextual thing. Yeah. And then I looked dibur davur al ofnav. So you have to understand the word kashuto as something. You have to understand everything in context. Yeah. And not what's actually printed on the text. Right. Right. It goes back to that uh, question we talk about almost every time. Right. How, what is even our goal? when translating and understanding an ancient text in a different language, is it to understand every word as it individually makes sense as a vocabulary word? Or is it about understanding what those words were supposed to, um, what images those words were supposed to produce in the people who were hearing or reading at the time? And ofan, context matters, and, and the words matter. And shot is some <coughs> artful combination of that. And I think I've told you one of my teachers, uh, uh, Mr. Robbie Harris at JTS, you know, said, said a, a wonderfully silly and important phrase, which is no such thing as pshat. You know, we, if you think that you've got it right because you you've gotten the pshat, the simplest meaning, it does not exist. You you're, you're already drashing, and even trying to get to the first layer of pshat. Let's finish this off, Matt. Um, <clears throat> okay, so. As it is said, quote, Alo ko barai kadesh nirum Hashem. So are not my words like fire, said God? Who kipatish yifotsats sela, and as as a rock may be smashed by a hammer. Good. Look up at the screen. This is the verse from Jeremiah. 
beautiful translation. Right, so this is the prophet trying to explain um, you know, what, what the impact of God's words are and these two images. So there's my, my davar is like a fire. So whatever a, your image of what a fire does, but it's not fire, it's also a hammer that breaks things apart. What is your guess, not just you, met anyone, your guess of what, what this verse is doing for Rashi's argument? How, how, is, how is this verse an explanation or explication of Rashi's argument? And then I'll get to Leonard, Rebecca, and Rick. I, see, I just saw your hand now. What, what is this verse doing in this comment? Uh, there can be multiple interpretations of a verse. Yeah, so, so like a, a hammer striking a rock and then a rock starter splits apart. Right, and if you do both parts, the, the word can just be a blazing, warming, illuminating fire. Mm -hmm. that like, like one kind of comprehensive thing. It can also shatter itself and other things into innumerable subplots. That's every word of Torah Rashi's, including these. Barry, and then Rick, and then Leonard Rebecca. The, 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 the power of the simplest statement is awesome. Including that one. <clears throat> uh, I forgot what I said first. Rick. You said Leonard first. He was up before me. Leonard. Hi. So uh, this pertains to what you were talking about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Ofen. Is a hapax agamanon in the Bible? It only appears in that verse in Proverbs. Devar devor alofnav, and uh, it says it's of uncertain etymology, which is kind of interesting. And then it has a very long explanation of various uh, scholars comparing it to various things in uh, in Arabic. But um, the the bottom line is is that it renders that phrase as a word fitly spoken. And then I think somebody mentioned the word ofna, fashion, which yeah. is, in fact, a derivative of the word ofen, but that was coined by uh, Eliezer ben Yehudas. So that's a modern wow. creation. It's also in davening, so an ofan also came to reference, and maybe this is where you're going, Rick, an angel, right? Maybe, you know, an, 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 an encircling angel would like, with like a rotating wings, I'm not sure, but in morning davening, that we refer to the Ofanim, one of the angels, and Chayot HaKodesh, these, these, these sacred living beings who are all praising God as we're supposed to be doing. Well, Ofan in the dictionaries is uh, translated as a wheel, and it's also of uncertain origin. Isn't that Ezekiel? Is that like the image? Yeah, but, but, but um, Leonard is saying that the word itself doesn't appear there. But I also thought that Ofan appeared in Ezekiel's prophecy, but maybe not. Maybe the rabbis, the rabbis turn it into a fun. I have to look more closely. Rick? Well, the Ophan, the Ophan as a wheel has a Vav in it, where the one over here does not. A, a Vav, that we said? Yeah, the the word wheel is Aleph, Vav, Pe, Nun, Sophi, whereas the in our verse over here, or the one in Proverbs, it's Aleph, Pe, Nun, Sophi, no Vav. Uh, Rick, waiting patiently, let's do. Just like Leonard went to something 10 minutes ago, I want to go to something five minutes ago. Um, when you had Proverbs up there, if you could please put that back up. Yeah. You, you have double trope, which I'm not even sure how to do. I'm not a cantor. I'm not a chazan. Well, there are 200 downstairs. downstairs. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you could grab one. 
But um, I, I noticed in verse 11 there, Davar, you have two trope. Right below it, you have Chacham, which is nice. The wise person also, two trope. And then above it, Vidibat Cha, two trope. Uh, in each case, it's the Azla Gerash and then the Rivia. So you could say, well, there's two ways to sing it, just like there's two ways to drosh things. And um, you're wise to be able to do that is my uh, drosh on those uh, trope. Rick, do you know what I know about uh, Trump in the book of Proverbs? No. Nothing at all. I think it's one of the four <laughs> books like Tehillim that has a totally different trope system. Right, that, that, that in these particular verses, some of the connections between the trumps kind of look like they could look in the order of, of Torah Torah, but oftentimes, as, um, as uh, Stevie said, even if you know Trump, you can't imagine why these symbols are near each other, which means that you might be understanding completely wrong. It's like people, you know, that the Persian alphabet and the um, Arab alphabet, same alphabet. But but if you if you know Arabic, you can't read Persian. Not like you can't, you can't, you can't actually pronounce it because the letters mean different things. So musically, that might be what's going on here. And we just have no idea. Like we we look at it as oh that's a Gaerish and a Ruby E, but I don't know if that actually is a sensible thing to say regarding the trump of Mishle and really nothing about it. But it's an interesting thing to point out. Well, why would Mishle have trump anyway? Is it we don't chant it? No. Maybe they chanted it. You know, it makes sense why why Tehillim would have trump because that was chanted. Um, you know, every verse in the Bible has drop on right but we don't know we don't know why originally uh sue yeah i got kind of stuck on the mahaya the yahoo yeah because i i remember it and you know safaria luckily puts us all in as a like, superstar so i looked it up and and yeah rashi brought Maharher up twice in Breshit, and once was had to do with um it, it once is in um Breshit, I don't know. Bishit, ah, okay. Bishuvome har amoria, ayah Abraham haher va Omer ilu ayah beneish beneish kushar ayolech belov banim va ayali lehisaoh lehasioh misham minom tovurura. There was that, and also Bishit. This is both from Rashi, not from the Torah. Um, I don't know where it is, but it says Baruch Hakodesh who God la Masha Masha Mahaher Belibo. And I really recall as as uh, we talk about it as it was like the murmurings because it kind of reminded me of the word murmurings. We talked about it as the murmurings of mm. the person in their mind, mm. um, <laughs> like their their kind of like internal davening. Yeah. I don't remember that, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it is an interesting word. It's just it's a it's a fun word because it's a two-letter root double, yes. right? Our hair, our hair. Um, we could go down that rabbit hole and figure out why <laughs> our hair means what it does. I don't think it's connected to har. Yeah, no. it's sort of like it indicates in the midrash why the the root hayrash meaning mountain is turned into lahar hair. Although the first one it was on Har Moriah. The first time that he used it was uh, was up there in the mountains. And it, it could, if we're thinking about what internal you know voices and and things are going on, that's kind of you get more encouraged to go into your head if you're up in the mountains. <laughs>
Matt, you have three three more words. We already kind of made sense of. We didn't read out loud. Mitchalek. Mitchalek with Kama. Mitzotzot. So when you break the stone, it, it shatters into several fragments. Right. Like spark, spark, sparkling fragments. Right. Like when you smash a certain kind of stone, it's not only going to separate, but it's going to Almost like spark and, and, and go off. So uh, that took us a, nearly a class and a half to get to this Rashi, but uh, and there was some kind of hard Talmudic stuff in the in the inner uh, guts of it. But hopefully, um, at the end of it, you have a sense that uh, we were exposed to something rare and, and interesting in our commentary, Rashi. Thank you. And now Rashi's quiet. The next few verses. Now we go right back into haha shot, just understanding the simple meaning of the text. Good? Yes. Okay. Let's go to verse 10. Oh, wait. That was all? The word Hirhur and then Gehir is reflection. What's that? Hirhur is translated here as reflection. Reflection, thought, cogitation. Yeah. We also have in the Shabbat Zemer, Hirhurim, Mutarim, Ushadeh, Chabanot. On Shabbos, you can think about things you're not supposed to do, you just can't do them. Can I just? Okay, one last comment. Yeah. Um, is it possible that this the Midrash is not only condemning Moshe but the whole generation, basically saying, I miss the whole generation? Because the people are the ones that ask the name, and Moshe has just been transmitting it to God. So it's not all on Moshe. Yeah. Yeah, I think internal to the logic of the Midrash that Rashi rejects is the sense that this people who are about to be saved in a powerful way by God are less gracious and grateful than, than, than their ancestors. So they're, they're still going to come out, but they're sort of whining. Yeah. Uh, Alan, you want to read verse 10? Which is uh, I don't have my glasses, and I can't read it. Okay. Uh, Steve, you want to read verse 10? <laughs> Let's spend an hour on that. <laughs> Translate. All right. And yeah, it's both and most the same. Okay. So uh, after, and 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 remember, the immediate antecedent to this is Moshe saying to God, uh, they, um, um, Moshe telling the, the Israelites what God had said, and then we are being told that they didn't listen because of the shortness of breath and the hard work of the body. So then God says to Moshe again, go ahead, go put on there. Go put on there, I'll throw milk, he's trying, but you should love it, it's been in Israel, okay? So... Go or come speak to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the king of Egypt, and uh, send out the the children of Israel from his land. Who is the subject of Rishalach? Pharaoh. Pharaoh, right? So he was like a prediction. Is it really an imperative form? It's not a future. Yeah, let's let him. Let him. Yeah. Um, you can't. Third, you can't do an imperative in the third person. I think it's in, it's an implied imperative, but mm -hmm. it's a go speak to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he will. Like it's a future tense verb that is you're supposed to understand it. It's going to happen. Go do this, and, and as a result of that, he will send the Israelites from his land. Or maybe you could add in a so that. Oh, it's interesting how it's definitely not about being cool. No, but it's Bob with it doesn't have a schwan. It's it's V. I know. Yeah. So what does that mean? I have that that he sent. 
So I'll tell you how I got that. I'll tell you how Fox translates it. Moshe, um, chapter six, verse eleven. Yeah. No. I think it's Eight, 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 eight. God, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yud, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H spoke to Moses saying, go in, go, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, comma, that he may send free the children of Israel from his land, that he may. Wow. So, so, that's what I know. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to exactly render perfectly. Has already Kaplan translated. Go speak to, well, this is, uh, go speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he will let the Israelites leave his land. So Sadakim is completely different there. Yeah, that's an interpretation. And right, and he and he says the first time this expression is 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 used, the God spoke. Is that true? Okay, must be true. It is the expression used to introduce most of the commandments. So he's talking about the Yidabir. And um all the first time that the Yidabir is Bayashem Almosha, I think. The first time almost right. And and Alter says, um, Come, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he send off the Israelites from his land. He doesn't take the may. So, and I'm not even sure, but, but, but the may changes it, right? It's like that he should, and this is saying yeah, well, that he might. Yeah, and this is like mm -hmm. he will. He yeah. has to. Well, Matt, Matt, uh, the, the term is subjunctive. Yeah. I think so. That doesn't really explain anything. It's just telling us it's Joe. Can you get a flash behind that? So, why isn't she? So, I mean, this is there's no way to go and go to Egypt to let the Israelites depart from the land to let, meaning speak to him. And the content of what you were saying to him is that he should do this, right? I mean, there's it makes sense. There's no there's no lay more, right? It's like. That you should say verbatim something, it's just you should say the content of what you should say is to send out. Again, the, 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 simplest, the simplest verses are not simple at all, right? Um, uh, in this in this volume of Rashi, there's a he, he gives um, the Rashi and he gives a commentary on Rashi. He also has a little section called Nikram Malay, which is his attempt to do an elucidation of the words. Not a commentary on them. Me, he has the phrase, Go speak to the Pharaoh king of Egypt. And he has the phrase, And tell him that he should set free. So the vishalach is the content, is not a prediction, but a content of what God wants Moshe to tell him. Well, he has a bridge. It says, To let. To let. Why are sure? Shall they're, 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 they're all kind of shades of one another. Um, oh, I see hands up. Sorry, Rick. Oh, Leonard, Rebecca, and Rick. Is that still or, or again? No, this is new for me. Okay. All right. So um, I'm noticing that this uh, um, verse 10 on on and every place after that, it's Vaida Bear Adonai. There's no more Elohim there. And we started with verse 2. Vaida Ber Elohim, when um, you know God was still talking about El Shaddai and Adonai. Before that, there is an Adonai in, in verse one, Vayomer Adonai. But after this first Elohim in verse two, I'm not seeing Elohim again when he's talking to Moses. I also wanted to ask you about the Vaida Ber versus Vayomer, because as I was going forward, 
there's a lot of Vayomers. Um, is, it, is it supposed to be nicer than Daber? Was there a distinction between the two? Usually, Vayomer is translated as, as spoke, and Vayomer is translated as said. Not 100%, but Vayomer is the notion of speaking, and Vayomer is the content. That's why it's Vayomer Arnai and Moshe Limor. God spoke to Moses, saying the following, as if a, a direct quotation after Vayomer. It's not 100% consistent. And midrashically, yes, Iber is Iberi Kashuk, uh, Kashot, hard things, and Vayomer is Iberi Rahman. It's, 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 it's sort of lined up, again, <clears throat> nearly consistently, that Elohim is the Vayadaber, and Adonai is Vayomer, but there are a lot of cross-purposes, uh, cross-references. And as uh, we, uh, Stevie pointed out before, this is the first phrasing of the phrase that is probably the most common five, four slash five word uh, combination of words in the entire Bible by the Baron I see Lynn and Rebecca. I see the end. I will have to call class. Lynn and Rebecca. Okay. Okay. Great. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, great. So there is a, a third person imperative. It's called the Jessive. Right. Uh, and in English, that's rendered with the word may. As an example, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Yeah. Right. So you're commanding a third person to do something for you. So that might be what's happening here, at least how some of the translators have interpreted this. But it sounds like maybe it doesn't really apply in this case that, you know, uh, let Pharaoh free your people. It's more like tell Pharaoh directly, free my people. My, uh, my biblical Hebrew professor, uh, Dr. Avonholtz, is smiling somewhere knowing that the phrase the Jessup uh, was brought up in a class that I was teaching. I remember the, the day in which we learned that in the Middle Hebrew in 1997, where we were. Old. So, good. Check off. I, I mentioned Jessup has been mentioned. But just a question is it normal that Rayad Abir, that whole phrase, is special? Yeah. Think of like the third If you're a shul goer, you'll start to hear that. Think about it, you'll hear that phrase a lot as own It's not always that way, but it's common. Does anyone else online besides the three besides Barbara and online? There had been Joanna was there for a point and she was gone. Um, you're keeping a record? You know, keep a pen. It's so nice. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.